that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to a Monday Buckeye Talk. It is not Market Down Monday. We have a Market Down Monday recorded, and it is coming to you on Tuesday because on Sunday, Ohio State got a five-star commit. I'm like, what are we going to do? Hold it for four days? Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means back from vacation. The three of us together again. No surprise, Stephen. But all right, just because we expected a thing doesn't make it not a big deal. And it's, and it's hard. I think sometimes I try to do this and wrap my head around it. Let's pretend that like nobody knew anything about recruiting, right? And it was just like, I don't know. There's this kid. He's from far away. Uh, I don't. We don't know who he's going to pick. He's visited a couple schools, but we literally have no idea. Recruiting reporting does not re- exist. In that world, like Ohio State fans would be running around the horseshoe with their hair on fire if to get a five-star commit mm-hmm. from Seattle. It's just that we kind of knew it was going to happen, but JGT is a Buckeye, and that's still a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Uh, it, you know what's funny is – Obviously, you pre-write a lot of stuff just in, when kids put out lists. And obviously, the thing happened when uh, 247, I mean, Hayes Fawcett accidentally put out the Oregon graphic last week just as, a, as, as an accident. But wait, what are you I talking like about? A lot of, What's the Oregon? A lot of, I'm, I'm getting into it. Okay. They, so last week, the Oregon accident, um, J, uh, 247 Sports or Hayes Fawcett, I forget which one, accidentally posted a, or Oregon committed committal graphic of JT Tumala on accident while they were trying to post something else. And so to get into the reason why I'm telling this story is today, as we're waiting on JT to to announce his commitment, Oregon actually did get a commitment from a five star. And at first glance, when I saw the notification come up on my screen, I thought it was JTT. And I was like, wait, what happened? He's talking right now. Why is somebody blowing his spot up right now? But it actually ended up being Kelvin Banks, who is a five star tackle in the 2022 class. So it just threw me off for a little minute. But yeah, Ohio State just got the number three player and the number two defensive lineman in the country to pair alongside Jack Sawyer, who's a number four player and the number three defensive lineman in the country. Um, that's never happened. So that's a big deal. What's also a big deal is that JTT and Jack Sawyer are the two highest rated defensive signees Ohio state has ever had in the modern era. They're number three and number four overall behind obviously Ted Ginn Jr. and Terrell Pryor. And then obviously if as things hold together, Quinn Ewers will take that top spot as a signee in December, as long as things don't go crazy in the next six months here. But yeah, this is, I mean, this is, we talked about it on the JTT pod. We, you, you guys obviously talked about it last week with Brandon Huffman, but this is, I mean, this is Larry Johnson's magnum opus as a recruiter. We've seen him as a developer of talent, but as a, as a recruiter, it doesn't get any better than getting these two guys literally as your first commit in a class. And then the last guy to join 822 days later. So this is something we have to address now that he is committed to Ohio state. Tuimolo Lao. Tuimolo Lao. There's only Five one syllables. L. No, there's only one L. Say it then. Is it Tui Molowau? Is it Tui Molowau or Tui Molowau? We had Brandon on the podcast. What is it? It's not Tui Molowau. No, what is it's it? Tu- it's Tui Molowau. Yeah, Tui Molowau. Tui Molowau or Lowau. Yes. One L. Five one L. syllables. Five syllables. Tui Molowau. Tui Molowau. Okay. That's not how anybody has said it on this podcast today or ever. So if I have an extra L in there, fine. 
we have to pronounce the name of the like third best recruit in Ohio State history correctly, starting today. He's a Buckeye. Tui Moloau. Tui Moloau. Tui Moloau. Tui Moloau. Tui Moloau? Is that right? Is that right? Is that, am I saying it right? Yes, I'm saying it right. Some of those times you said it were correct, yes. Tui Moloau. Tui Moloau. Yeah. Tui Moloau. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got, we, got, we got to get it. He's a five-star recruit, and now he's a Buckeye. Tui Malowau. Okay. I don't want to cover a ton of stuff we've already covered, but I do think you can't cover the Larry Johnson angle of this too much. And I was thinking about this, Nathan. Is it possible that the Larry Johnson hiring at Ohio State is more important than some of the head coach hirings they've done? Because I so and, 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 and it's hard because I'll say this. He had a reputation at Penn State, Courtney Brown, Tom Bali, uh, 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 really good defensive players, right? Michael. Yeah. Michael Haynes, Jared Aldrich. I just have it up right now. So. But he started he really he elevated it at Ohio State and he started elevating it with Joey Bosa, whose interest in Ohio State was piqued by the presence of Urban Meyer. Joey Bosa is an Urban Meyer recruit through and through. You can read about it in the book because Larry Johnson wasn't even here. And, and Joey Bosa loved Mike Vrabel. And then when Larry Johnson gets here, Joey Bosa and the Bosa family and then Nick Bosa fall in love with Larry Johnson even more than they had been in love with Urban Meyer and Mike Vrabel on the Ohio State program. And then from there, with the technique that he teaches the Bosa brothers, it feels like the Larry Johnson school of pass rushing really starts to become a thing. And you start running through Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard and Jalen Holmes. And then Chase Young is like peak. And now you add these two guys, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith would not be here if Larry Johnson wasn't here. Like there are enough guys, Nathan, that I think over time, they're not these defensive linemen. They're not committing to Ohio state necessarily. They're not committing to the head coach. They are committing to play for Larry Johnson. And now everything else that Ohio State offers, facilities, reputation, NFL production, huge stadium, great fan base, Columbus as a city, NIL opportunities, whatever, that contributes to it, right? But it's like, but Larry Johnson is the foundation of it. And I feel like these two guys with JTT and Jack Sawyer in this class, I'm not saying that like Larry Johnson's more important than hiring Urban Meyer, but like Larry Johnson is he's like more than an assistant. I don't even know how to describe it the right way, but he is one man. He's a one man attraction for guys who want to come learn from him. And I don't know enough about the history of assistant coaches in college football to know enough about other comps to that. But Ohio State would be Ohio State just without some of these players, if Larry Johnson wasn't an assistant here. And as Steven said, this is like, this is the peak. This is Larry Johnson on the other side of 70, right? Like at his ultimate best. Yeah. I would stop short of saying it was a more important hire than Meyer, just because of the entire mechanism that Meyer put in place. And you could easily see, because I think we have seen this before where somebody, an assistant coach, a position can be very prolific, even as far as developing NFL guys, that doesn't necessarily mean that program consistently elevates to what Ohio State has done. Uh, but because of how integral this position, 
the whole defensive line has been in what the identity of Ohio State is now and in the success that they've had now during the playoff era. I think, and I agree with you that it's 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 a hard list to try to make as far as like the greatest assistant coaches of all time. If you were going to try to do it, the greatest assistant coaches in college football history, especially ones who never became a head coach or right. never succeeded as head coach, maybe they got like a flash in the pan three or four years and then they went back to being an assistant the rest of their career. I, he's got to be on that list, right? Like there, I don't think there's any question. Just what he's been able to do now across two programs and in the, the extent to which it has happened at Ohio State, where now I think people look at Ohio State as sort of the the precedent for this, right? I mean, this is the, the blueprint of 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 creating great defensive linemen, especially defensive ends. Like you, if you try to do things, other programs are trying to do things in the Ohio State model, but they really can't because they don't have Larry Johnson. What's another school or position where another school where a position success? is so predicated on one person, maybe in the history of college football. Because I know there were some defensive linemen who were great at Ohio State before Larry Johnson showed up, John Simon, Cameron Hayward. Obviously, Bosa got here before Larry Johnson did. But even with that, when there's some family ties for why he ended up at Ohio State in the first place, along with Urban Meyer existing. But is I don't even with Kerry Combs, I, I we've seen other people come in here and recruit to a certain extent, even if they didn't get to do it as long as Kerry did it with the defense back. Because Jeff Halfley seemed like he was headed in that direction. I don't know how many other assistant coaches you can look at in, in the world where I know, Doug always says assistant coaches are middle managers. Barry Johnson is literally the exception of that where I think he might be the only coach where the success of a, of a position just depends on whether or not he's at your school or not. Well, I'm sure there's examples. I'm sure Nebraska had some kind of offensive line coach in the 70s and 80s under Tom Osborne. And I don't know who that is, though. That's why it's a tough list to do, because yeah. those guys are just so behind the scenes and they they're very well known in their circle. But they the importance of it fades is the farther away from campus that you get. Um, but Brian Hartline's kind of starting to do it now with receivers. You can't put him in the same breath as Larry Johnson long term, but they're, he's starting to get something rolling with receivers that's just as impressive. So I don't think it's unprecedented, but I think to do it for as long as Larry Johnson has done it and maybe to have the proven peaks that Larry Johnson has now with both Bosa brothers, Chase Young, and then what could happen with this combination that they're having right now. I mean, as Doug is saying, as you were saying, like this is really potentially the like just – not just like a very exaggerated exclamation point at the end of a career, like you, you, you the, an exclamation point, And then like you, you drop the mic or the drop the pen because you're just like, I just, you, nobody's going to be able to match that. I'm glad you brought up Hardline because I think that's a good example, except the difference here is Larry was doing it before he got behind the machine. That is Ohio state and Ohio state only enhanced what was already known about him before he got here. Brian Hartline just has the benefit of already starting in the big time machine to an extent, just like Kerry Combs did. They already started at the highest possible level you can do it at. So we're all, obviously it's, it's kind of a head start situation while with Larry Johnson, he was already doing it at Penn state. And then you gave him every tool necessary to do it even better at Ohio state. And he's, he works for offensive head coaches. Like there's no doubt about like, it's not, and mm. the, the coordinators have changed. It's not like anybody's saying like, Oh, I want to come play in the Ohio state defensive scheme. Right. right. Like like you might like, you know, like, again, it's not to take anything away from Heartline, but like what Ryan Day is doing offensively certainly contributes to that as well. Like Larry Johnson just does this on his own. And. When he left Penn State 
after the 2013 season, like he was a free agent. He had worked at Penn State his whole life as a college coach. He did not get the head coaching job. He was passed over twice after Joe Paterno left, first for Bill O'Brien, then for James Franklin. And he was like, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. And I know that he was reinvigorated um, by being hired at Ohio State. I talked to his family members about that and wrote a story about it at the time. But it would not have been crazy for Michigan to have hired Larry Johnson back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't anything. Larry Johnson had no ties here. And if Mike Vrabel hadn't taken an NFL job right at the same time, Ohio State wouldn't have had an opening. And they weren't going to fire mm-hmm. somebody to clear a spot for Larry Johnson. So, Stephen, like if Larry Johnson was the defensive line coach for Michigan, would all these guys, would Chase Young have gone to Michigan? Would JTT mm-hmm. have gone to Michigan? Would Tyreek Smith have gone to Michigan? Would Zach Harrison have gone to Michigan? Like, I think you still get the Bosa brothers because they have their connections, right? But anything beyond that, this Larry Johnson school of pass rushing that is developed, obviously, Ohio State, as you said, I mean, like, he's the teacher, but this is like a great school. It's like he, he gets to walk into a nice school building, and, and if he says to the principal, hey, I need, uh, I need more, more stuff for my guys. The principal's like, we'll give you whatever you need. So obviously, obviously, obviously that matters. But he's still the same guy. So I don't know. Like, I... On one hand, like I I don't think Ohio State would have gotten all these guys. Maybe they would have still gotten a couple of them because they would have hired a different good coach, probably. Yeah. But if if Larry Johnson is the dude, if he could have gotten that first guy at Michigan, right? Like Chase Young goes to a Michigan camp and they connect, and Chase Young's like, I got to play for this guy. And all of a sudden now they're rolling. I think it, I I don't know. I think it could have happened there. I think, yeah, Chase is the key. I think the easy thing to say is Chase probably just would have went to Alabama because his top three was Maryland, Alabama, Ohio State. But given maybe the third instead of it being Ohio State is Michigan. So that's the key. But outside of that, you just listed off a bunch of Midwest guys. I think Tyreek Smith ends up at Michigan. I think Zach Harrison. I mean, it came down to Michigan and Ohio State anyway. So what if Larry Johnson was on that side? I think he goes to Michigan. And then it gets interesting again with Jack Sawyer. It's because, yes, Larry Johnson. Yes. Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson, but also Jack just really wanted to come to Ohio State. So I, that's where the interesting two are Jack Sawyer and Chase Young on where do they go if Larry Johnson is at Michigan. And, and the, the, what I'm trying to do here, Nathan, is trying to figure out, you know, you can't separate the school from the coach because as soon as they start working hand in hand, they get linked. And like it turns out that Larry Johnson worked – He's still going to wind up, you know, like if Larry Johnson, and this is actually an interesting question. If Larry Johnson was going into the assistant coaches hall of fame and it's like, what, what shirt would he wear? Would he wear a Penn state shirt or an Ohio state shirt? Right? Like this thing that happens like with, with baseball caps for the, uh, the baseball hall of fame. I mean, he was at Penn state forever, but he has certainly elevated his reputation and he won his only national championship here. But he's still, I don't know, like he's still a, a dyed-in-the-wool like Penn State guy, you know, who, who Ohio State was happy to take. It's just you can't separate. It's like it didn't take very long for Larry Johnson to become intertwined with Ohio State. But I still think in the formula of how they're getting these dudes, Larry Johnson's more important to the formula than Ohio State is. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, it, it's, it's not as though, like to make that baseball analogy, um, I think Albert Pujols is going to end up playing like half his career between – both St. Louis and, and Anaheim, but 
one clearly is the one that he's known for. And that's not really necessarily the case with Larry Johnson. He didn't come to another place and then like fall off and still be famous, but still, but not the production be the same. It actually went the other way around. So I don't know. I think I would probably argue that, um, that it is Ohio state where he is actually like, you know, he, he set the stage for what his career was going to be at Penn state, but it was only by coming to Ohio state and kind of marrying what he could do as an individual with what Ohio state's recruiting machine can do collectively that we saw the the greatest heights of this. Steven, what, what shirt would he wear in the hall of fame? I think it's Ohio state because it's louder. I think, I think he's going to get to a point here. Um, and obviously Brendan Vernon threw it, uh, wrenching some things here about choosing Notre Dame over Ohio state, but we'll see that's we're two years out. Um, I think it's just this run is too loud to deny. I think that the Penn state thing is going to be an interesting footnote. Um, when you are reading his list of accomplishments in the hall of fame, when you go look at his statue or whatever they give to him, but Ohio state's just a louder and more impressive part of his resume resume. 18 years at Penn State, this will be his eighth at Ohio State coming up. So at least it's half, more than half. I mean, mm-hmm. it's at least 50% as much at Ohio State. Um, it's, just eight, it's just 18 years worth of production in eight years in comparison to 18 years at Penn State. That's probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It, it's funny that when Ohio State hired him, there was a lot of talk about, like, all these great players he's produced. And then, like, he's, like, tripled his output. <laughs> at Ohio State you know it's like yeah Courtney Brown was the number one pick in the draft it's like yeah and now it's like he does he it every two, two years a two, a, two, a two a two and a three like I mean it's like what do you it, now it's just normal uh all right we'll take a quick break coming back on Buckeye Talk five star in the house next all right Douglas Maurice Nathan Baird Stephen Means try the text 614-350-3315 we're getting around to it Football on the horizon, uh, national college football show starting Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, still like we're, you know, we got a plan, but we haven't ever done it before. So um, I'm hosting that with Shahan J. Haraja and I'm excited about it. And we have an outline for it. I like the structure we have to the show. I think it's going to be different the way we talk about national college football compared to a lot of other places but we also, you know, we're going to be kind of feeling it out a little bit at the beginning. So that's going to drop this week and you guys will certainly know about it. And I'm going to lean on you guys a little bit early on um, to maybe just help with uh, getting the audience up and that kind of thing. Cause honestly, I mean, you know, I talk loud, but like nobody else knows who I am. So like, you know, we try to get somebody, you know, California to listen to this show. They'll be like, why would I listen to this show? So, you know, uh, if you want some national college football talk, that'll be coming starting this week. All right. I want to talk a little bit. I, I want to talk about how much he's going to play this year, Nathan, because, and then we'll wrap up with a thing that we're actually going to do a bigger podcast on later this week, but it's July 4th and the seasons are coming and they've got some good players on this defensive line, but is there any realistic expectation that, he's going to play meaningful minutes for the 2021 Buckeyes. I think that's a difficult thing to project fully right now. My suspicion is that it's more of a quality over quantity situation that you go back and look at Chase Young's freshman year. I went back and looked at those snaps again today, and this isn't me trying to compare him to Chase Young, although the recruiting rankings certainly do, but I'm just saying that like, I look back, I think in the, 
Um, the 2018 Rose Bowl, I think Chase Young played like eight snaps. So a player that great, two years away from being a transcendental player almost in college football, was like just on the bench, like just not a factor. Um, so it, it wouldn't su- surprise me at all if because you've got two starting defensive ends who are like you think like on the verge of being NFL ready. You've got Jack Sawyer who does have a head start after having been here this spring. And then you got the other two veterans in um, Tyler Friday and Javante Jean-Baptiste who have, uh, you know, are, are, are long-term like reliable veteran guys that the good thing is you don't have to rush him onto the field. You kind of get to, to work him in over time and just sort of let him have his moments, especially early on. Do I think he can be a rotational player by the end of the season? Sure. You do. You have like you, you. Okay. By the end of the season. Yeah. Like, is it a guy that like, we're talking about, we're writing stories going into like the 10th game of the year saying like, Oh, did you, have you noticed that JTT's snaps have started to steadily increase here? And Oh, did you notice that in the, relatively close game in the first half he was a guy that was in on you know big important series when this game was still in the balance if there are any that week I'm not looking at the schedule but you know what I'm saying that like you start to just sort of see him assert himself as the season goes along again I, I think that's the kind of the great timing of this for Ohio State is they get to add this guy in um where he fits very naturally where they could use another body for any number of reasons on the defensive line. And then you get to just sort of let him grow over the course of a season. You've already got Smith and um, Harrison on the, as the starting ends. You've already got Jack Sawyer there. That's already kind of helped kind of galvanize and, and infuse something into that unit. And now you're just sort of tossing in this little talent grenade on top of that to see what else can happen. And, and if it builds into something by the end of his first year, and if it doesn't, okay, but he's still got a year under his belt. And then now he's potentially him and Sawyer ready to just take over and run things in 2022. Steven, what's the read on, on how Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Malolau, Tui Malolau, Tui Malolau. I have it written out. Tui Malolau, right? I'm getting it, right? Yeah. Five syllables, Tui Malolau. What's the read on how they're similar, how they're different? I mean, they're both you know, five-star defensive linemen, but compare and contrast. Freaks. And I think the difference literally right now is Jack Sawyer has been working with Larry Johnson for four years and JTT has been doing it never yet. And until he gets here on campus, whenever that is, he said they'll be here soon, but I'm assuming it's in the next 48 hours, given when school starts. I think – JT's interesting because he's played a lot of sports over the past six months, too, because Washington played their football season in the spring. And then he also played high school basketball this year. So his zeroed in focus hasn't been completely football the same way. And that's a lot to ask any 18 put on any 18 year old's body. So I think I agree with Nathan where. I think we talked about this when we did the JGT pod. I think he just might be the Julian Fleming in this situation where he's talented enough to play. I think at the end, by the end of the season, he's fourth in the rotation behind Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, and Jack Sawyer. I, I agree with that. But I think the first couple of weeks of the year, they might just ease him into things as he's learning in the Larry Johnson school. But also, it's just that's just a very taxing thing to put on any 18-year-old's body to basically play three different, different seasons in a span of eight months. I I would also uh, caution fans to maybe have a little bit of patience here and not just patience in terms of seeing results. It's patience in terms of 
when you do see the results, understand the context of them. When he, if he goes out there and he rips somebody's arm off against Akron, you have to um, give, I think, some benefit of the doubt to the coaching staff as to why he's in there in the fourth quarter against Akron. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be in in the first quarter against Oregon or Penn State or Indiana or somebody else of real consequence that they're playing earlier in the season. Jack Sawyer listed at 6'5", 248. JTT listed at 6'4 277. So different bodies, too. JTT, definitely, Nathan, you're nodding your head. Just like a bigger dude, right? Well, yeah, and they've also talked about him as a guy who could more easily slip inside, whether that's um, playing some kind of an interior spot in a Rushman package or, or maybe even um, other times, I think, you know, flirting with three technique kind of thing. So I think his long-term fit is on the end, but it, he's more versatile, I think, in some ways as far as where he could naturally line up on a defensive line. Physically, just to, for a comparison, at 18 years old, I think JTT might look similar to what Tyreek Smith looked like, just a thicker dude, while Jack is similar to Zach. And he was, like, really long and lanky and athletic and spry in that way. And obviously, Jack didn't look like that by the time he got on campus. He got ridiculously big before he got there. But as far as body type, that's a good way to put it. And to Nathan's point about maybe he's a three-tech in the Rushman package, he was listed as a defensive tackle for most of his recruiting process and didn't get switched to the defensive end maybe until – November of last year, maybe a little earlier than that, but for the majority of the time, he was listed as a defensive tackle. You notice that the the comparable that they have for him on the two seven sports scouting report is Cam Hayward. Oh, I just gotta say that I was gonna ask if that's yeah. the comparable because Cam was that Cam was unique, I think, among defensive linemen that I've covered at Ohio State, and that he was the guy who was the best at both. Like he's just a, that's just a different thing than what a what a chase young would do like, you know, the chase young, a lot of those, you know, if you're an edge rusher and you're going to stand up and menace people, Cam Hayward was always down and was physical and was always good against the run and was just as comfortable inside as he was outside. And, uh, Oh, good. I was just going to say that myself. So what does it, it's because some websites said it doesn't mean it's true, but the way you guys were talking about him is what that reminded me of. And that's like really interesting because they haven't had a guy like that as much, you know, like Adolphus Washington kind of wound up playing and then tackle Michael Bennett played and then tackle, but cam just did it. It wasn't, it was just like seamlessly. Like he just was both at the same time, right. That he just was, could rush the passer and play the run and be physical and be athletic wherever he was. And so if that's what he's going to be like, that's pretty good. And the other comparison, uh, Steven, you're talking about the other sports he played. I mean, cam Hayward was like a, big time basketball player that initially when he came on his visit, again, he's in the book, but Cam Hayward came on his visit to Ohio state. You know, he met with Thad Mata. He did all the basketball stuff. It's all like the, Hey, you can play both. Nobody plays both, but there was somebody reported today that, Oh, JTT is going to play both. Like he's not going to actually play both, but he's a good basketball player. Is that right? Yeah, he had Division One scholarships to play basketball, and that that's plays into why he's so ranked so highly as a, a football player because of that footwork. He played tight end in high school as well, and he's pretty explosive. But yeah, I mean, he could have played Division One basketball, but no, you're not playing both. It's do you realize Ohio State football plays in the January? That's the goal, and Ohio State basketball is playing Big Ten games by January. It's not happening. It was a cool thing to do for the visits. Yeah. Yeah. And the school, I mean, the school, you, you entertain every notion and, and then it gets time to be, you know, 
football time and <laughs> football time is 365 days a year. So they're, they're in winter workouts and you're asking, Hey, can I go over to the shot and play with Chris Holtman? No, you cannot eat and lift. I mean, it's like, it's always, it's like, well, you can go if you want. I mean, everybody else is going to be here doing football stuff. And when you come back, they might be ahead of you, but sure. Go do what you want. Uh, Taiwan, Taiwan Malone wanted to do that. That was part of his, he wanted to play baseball and play football and, Obviously, he ended up not at Ohio State. He ended up signing signing with Ole Miss, and we'll see if he actually gets to do that there. He won't. I mean, Ole Miss probably right. sold him better on doing both. He's not. Nobody does it. Keith Byers thought he was going to play baseball at Ohio State, too. As soon as he got here, the football coaches said, great, go to baseball practice. We're not sure. You might be fifth in the depth chart by the time you get back. And he's like, well, I guess I'm not doing that. Again, that's also in the book. So uh, I, I wanted to do one more thing because we have to wrap up I, in two ways, I want to do this. We have to wrap up the class of 2021 for Ohio State because they just added one of the very best players in the country onto what already was the second best class in this year. So we will wrap this up and do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Stephen. So the group in 2021 goes from 21 players to 22 players. Uh, according to 247 Sports, JTT is the number three overall player. Jack Sawyer is number four. According to 247 Sports, they now have six five stars in this class from five different states. JTT and Emeka Buka from Washington, Jack Sawyer from Ohio, Trayvon Henderson from Virginia, Kyle McCord from Pennsylvania, Donovan Jackson from Texas, right? Those are the six five stars. And that's like, ridiculous i mean like that is you know it's nothing new but it is you know again i was you know just reading some national people it's like wow ohio state recruiting it's like yeah this is what they've been doing um but still not enough to get the number one like they got they got by far the best guy floating out there but alabama still is going to go down in the books as having the best classes in the class of 21 yeah that's the only place where jtt's decision didn't matter at all it wasn't going to change who was the number one alabama took advantage of lsu's recruiting class falling apart during the early signing period and just pushed themselves way out into the lead 11.9 what ended up being the being the difference there 327.91 for alabama's 27 commits seven five stars while house said as you listed six five stars 22 commits 316.01 but to also point out the average star rating 94 0.76 while Alabama's is a 95 like split. That's exactly what it is. And so JTT, it, it, it was uh, for a while before he canceled the Alabama, you know, visit, it was going to be, is Alabama going to push its lead out even further for a class that's the highest rated in the, in the modern era, or is Ohio state just going to close the gap a little bit? And that's all they did. So yeah, that's important to note that, yeah, that Alabama still beat Ohio state in five stars, seven to six, and they still let an average ranking, even though they have five more people in the class. 27 commits to 22. They also still let in the average star rating, which does, you know, matter if you're keeping track of this kind of thing. In the end for the Big Ten, according to 247 Sports, Ohio State, six five stars. The rest of the conference combined, three five stars. So the headline is, why is Ohio State going to win the Big Ten the next three years? So that's why. <laughs> so which leads us to the thing that we have decided we're going to do is the Big Wednesday pod. So we're just going to tease, Nathan. We're just going to tease. We're not going to get into it very much. But but when you start thinking about this class, you know, we did it with the class of 2017, right? The Chase Young, Jeff Okuda class. What are they going to do in their third year in 2019? Well, they almost made the national championship game. Um 
We did it with the class, sort of like the class of 2013. They went a year early as sophomores in 2014. Then in 2015, they were still probably the most talented team in the country. Like you, you have to do it with this class. And that leads us to thinking about 2023. And that doesn't mean we're not going to enjoy watching to see what happens in 2021 and 2022. But Nathan, and we're only going to tease because we're going to do like an hour and 45 minutes on this on Wednesday. (laughs) But when you think about this class, and then by the time it matters, you're going to add the biggest quarterback recruit in the history of recruiting to this group. What's going to happen? Well, I don't think you have to wait all the way to 2023 to start having some big expectations, right? I mean, this is already a team that thinks it's going to be back in the playoff this year, but I think but even as, as, as soon as 2022, you've either got a returning starting quarterback who may have just been a, a pretty strong season, or you've got Quinn Ewers coming out over the top to take that job. You're going to have Trevion Henderson back for his second year. You're going to have all these receivers still around, even though that Olave and Wilson will be moving on. You'll still have Smith and Jigba. You'll still have you know, potentially someone like Fleming, Egbuka, those guys stepping up to their next level. And then the defense, I feel like, on paper, looks like it should be as strong or stronger, could be as strong or stronger in 2022. I know you're going to lose. I mean, the thing you would worry about the most would be losing Harrison and uh, Smith, I think, to some extent. And now this answers that question. So I, I think, I mean, 2023 is obviously like the full-on thing that you're you're looking at at the horizon. But it wouldn't surprise me if this team got there ahead of schedule in 2022 as well. There's good in 2022, but 2023 is the super team. Which last time we thought that was going to happen, the good team won it in 14 and the super team like couldn't handle it in 15. So again, there's no such thing as a rebuilding year. There's kind of no such thing as an up year. Ohio State's just Ohio State. But when you look at this accumulation of talent and you're plugging Quinn Ewers into that, it's hard to not look ahead. So on Wednesday, we're going to look ahead and we're going to do a projected projected depth chart for 2023. We are going to run through the entire schedule in 2023. We're going to try to look and see who does it look like the other good teams are going to be in 2023. Cause like the other thing is like, well, you could be right at that thing where if Bryce Young and DJ Uyunglele are three years and out at Bama and Clemson, both Bama and Clemson will be breaking in new quarterbacks potentially in 2023 as like Quinn Ewers is rolling. Like, it's just like, you know, we're three years out, but it could be the greatest team in Ohio state history. I don't know. It's three years away. I don't know. The guy just committed two hours ago, but I mean, that's the kind of thing you're, that's what we're talking about, Nathan. I mean, really? So, I mean, we're not, that's what could stop there, but we're going to dive so we're sticking our toe in the water. We're going to dive in on Wednesday for the big Wednesday pod because I think we have to do that. And then, like, it'll be time to talk about the 2021 football season. But, man, we were already talking about 2023. But, man, does this make you want to talk about 2023? I think what really th- kind of smacked me in the back of the head about it today was I'd written this all this stuff about – JTT and Jack Sawyer, that was kind of my reaction piece and about what that was going to mean um, less for 2021 and, and then more like you're saying for 2023. And then it was like, I could almost like hear like Mike Hall, like from across town being like, Hey man, Hey, Hey guys, <laughs> remember me? Like I was almost the top 50 consensus national and like, we're already just like brushing him off. Like, Oh, th- this, this top 50 guy that's also on the DL on the defensive line this year. And then like Tyleek Williams is definitely like, well down the list because he was only a four-star like top 150 ish guy like that that's the kind of now again 
we'll get into more of this on Wednesday, but then all this, all this stuff we're talking about with Ohio state and yet Alabama is now even on papers projected to be even better for 2023. So that, that could be part of that conversation too. Cause I, that, that's, and, and it, the, the clash that these two programs are going to always be on um, year to year is, is fascinating. First of all, Tommy Brockemeyer and J.C. Latham going up against JTT and Jack Sawyer in the 2023 National Championship game is going to be fun for anybody who likes to watch the line of scrimmage. But also, Michael Hall is a large human being. I went to see him play and play high school football last year. He was hurt, so I didn't actually get to watch him play, but I talked to him after the game, obviously. But since I live in the short north, you see people riding around on scooters all the time. And one day, there's a, there's a school near where my – where my house is and I, there's a court over there. So sometimes during, I would go over there and shoot last week. I went over there to shoot cause I had nothing else to do. Cause I was bored on vacation and he came, he rid by with like Jordan Hancock and some of the other freshmen and he's towering over everybody on these small little ride around scooters. He doesn't fit on the scooter at all. And it was just an interesting thing to see of, Oh, that's my, that's my call on a scooter. Okay. Hello there. The way you told that story, I thought they were all on the same scooter at first. It's like, <laughs> it's just like a clown car situation. No, 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 it's just the fact that these scooters aren't the biggest things in the world. And so when you're six foot three, 290 pounds trying to ride on a scooter, it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't fit at all. Were you shouting at him? Were you saying, like, you want some of this, Buckeyes? Huh? Oh, I mean, I, waved, I waved at him and acknowledged his we acknowledged each other's presence. But that's about it. No, I didn't they didn't want, they didn't want some Stephen Meese. They know they know what's up. Want, they know what's good for him. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> if they want to ride by again, I'll play you this week. And and again, 2023 might have some, like, I'm trying to think, who are the senior leaders? Ryan, I know, Ryan, I know it's the first day of practice for 2021, but are you concerned at all about senior leadership in 2023 with all these juniors that you're going to have taken over? Uh, like Court Williams, Lathan Ransom, Cam Martinez, Ryan Watts. Uh, Legend Cavazos, Mitchell Melton, Cody Simon, some of these guys, like if they can hang around a little bit and provide a little bit of a backbone, that is where you start getting into some of that stuff where, listen, the 2019 class will be fifth year guys then if anybody sticks around, right? I mean, that was the dip. 2020 was number five in the country, 25 guys, some really good players in there. I don't think they're going to be able to talk Paris Johnson and stay Sorry, to come back for year four in 2023 and make a run. Maybe. It's a really smart dude. Maybe he wants to come back and like work on the school newspaper some more. I mean, smart enough that he doesn't have to be here for the fourth year to get his degree. No, I agree. And like, but, and then like Fleming and Smith and Jigba, if either of them stick around for a fourth year, as you said, like, again, this is a, it's a very interesting group, but uh, you know, they could be pretty good. So it's that. And then also can, the one thing that the 2019 team didn't have is yes, the third year guys hit none of the 2018 recruits hit as second year guys and as we're going through this obviously we're going to discuss some of these 2022 guys who will be second year guys in 2023 how many of those guys hit who aren't named Quinn Ewers well it was hard because like the 17 guys were so good and were so across the board they they blocked all the 18 guys but there might be some more opportunity especially in the secondary for some of these other guys go ahead Nathan we're gonna say I was just gonna say that the other thing to remember is some of those guys you named even though they're like Technically, 2021 freshmen, they'll be going into like their fourth season, even as juniors, some of them in 2023. So, I mean, that's the other thing to remember is it's going to be a pretty veteran group, even as even as soon as next year. I think that's going to be a pretty veteran group. But as as Steven's saying, like you look at some of these 2022 guys, especially on defense, Gabe Powers, CJ Hicks, 
Jaheim Singletary. And again, like especially in the secondary where you thought, hey, they still need a little bit of a boost. The Terrence Brooks, who they just got. Some of these guys may have a chance as second year guys to make a difference in 2023. This is our Buckeye Future Fridays podcast. No, our Buckeye Football Futures podcast for this week. Buckeye Football Futures used to be Buckeye Future Fridays, but then it moved to Thursday. So we had to change the name. So the Friday podcast moved to Thursday. The Thursday podcast is now going on Monday. The Monday podcast is going to move to Tuesday. And what we were going to do on Tuesday, we're going to do Thursday in what normally is the recruiting spot. You guys got that? Whenever we have a week like this, I always tell people to go watch the Mr. Show clip about the pre-taped call-in show. You can find the YouTube clip. It's just David Cross going crazy when people can't figure out that they were supposed to call in the week before for the calls that they're taking on that week's show. So, yeah, no, I like Mr. Show, too. I like the one where the guy jumps in the vat of acid. Uh, but the the thing. Uh, <laughs> they don't show him jumping in the vat of acid. They show they just, the- they just show his crispy little body. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is that we're that we can't we like to put up structure so that the listeners have a little structure. We can't be beholden to it. So it was like, oh, well, we can't talk about JTT because it's market down Monday. What are we supposed to do? It's it's imaginary. It's a it's a figment of our own imagination. So we just move stuff around. So Tyler Shoemaker is going to be here. Nathan and T. Shoe and I all did our top five over or under winning totals for big 10 teams or some national teams. That'll be the Tuesday podcast. Nathan and I also recorded a thing about coach rankings and where Ryan day should fit in. That'll be the Thursday pod. The Wednesday pod is going to be breaking down the 2023 team and season. But before we get out of here, since this is the recruiting pod this week, Steven, I don't know. I just saw a thing. Like, is there anything that, is there any percent chance that Jaheim Singletary, the number 12 player in the class of uh, 2022 the number five cornerback, the number three player in the state of Florida. He's what visited a couple other Florida schools. Like, is there mm-hmm, any Miami? Is there any reason? I don't know. I mean, until the guy signs it in December, nothing's official. But are you still assuming he's going to be a Buckeye? Yeah, I think he's where Quinn Ewers was eight months ago, where Quinn Ewers joined the class and it was this, this constant: Is Texas going to flip him? And then Sarkeesian showed up, and it's, is Sarkeesian going to flip him back? Is Sarkeesian going to flip him back? I think we're just going to live there for a little bit. It was good that he came up for the official visit because you got to remember he had never been here for a visit and that recruitment blew very fast, which has been Kerry Combs' MO with his defensive back recruiting in 2022 is you got off her kid and then 72 hours later he commits, which is, I mean, Terrence Brook. What is going on with Kerry Combs? Why? What this is, uh, there's been some other positions where they're slow playing it with guys. They're just taking these top ranked guys at the, in the, defensive backs 14 days after they get an offer so yeah when he got on campus it should probably ease you a little bit but you should expect a guy when you commit that fast to not shut things down immediately just because you would like him to do that he's going to take his time he's going to take some of these visits I would expect for him to pop up on somebody's campus at a football game this fall including Ohio State's but yeah we're just going to live here for a little bit where it's not closed the way it is with guys like CJ Hicks and Quinn Ewers and Caleb Burton and Keon Grace, where they're ready to just shut it down quite yet. So we did not have anybody at the elite 11 in Southern California. I mean, honestly, some of the other Ohio state sites, have guys out there live on the scene. So, I mean, you know, they were writing stories from Quinn Ewers out there. I guess he was good. Steven, right. Though he's good at quarterback, right. 
He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised he didn't win MVP because I think he went into that the same way Trevor Lawrence went into it in 2018 where he could – I mean, he's there to lose at that point because the expectations were so high for him that any amount of slippage allows somebody else to pop up. So, K. Klubnick, Clemson's um, quarterback commit in 2022, ended up taking home MVP honors, um, which is interesting because that's the second time in the last six months that he's beaten Quinn Ewers on the field. Obviously, he also beat him in the state championship game this year. And then uh, Sean Murphy, who I don't know why, I just for some particular uh, reason, I've been particularly interested in following him, a linebacker out of Virginia. He released a top five over the weekend that does include Ohio State, Penn State, Alabama, LSU, and I think Florida State's the other one. Uh, what's the general vibe around Sean Murphy at this point? It's interesting. I'll, obviously, Ohio, the question has gone from are they going to add a fourth to who are they going to replace Desan McCullough with it? I think Ohio State can slow play that a little bit. Whether, it would be nice from a, a number standpoint for it to be Sean Murphy, the number 61 player and number six linebacker. Obviously, he's fallen down the rankings a little bit. Some of that is people have seen him in person, and he's not quite as big as maybe some people thought he would be as an inside linebacker, potential Mike linebacker. But they can slow play this a little bit, and maybe it's Sean Murphy who ends up being that third linebacker or maybe it's some guys who camped this summer who haven't necessarily earned an offer yet. But because they've got two quality top 50 options and Hicks and Gabe Powers and also some defensive scheme changes where they're maybe going to use the bullet a little bit more, they don't have to be – Al Washington doesn't have to rush himself into finding that third guy. Okay. That'll do it. One more for, thing. Go ahead. This will go up Monday, first thing Monday morning, right? Yes. Yeah. Is Ohio State getting commitment on Monday? From Kojo Antwi, yes. The fourth wide receiver who is a borderline top 100 guy to go along with Caleb Brown, Caleb Burton, and Keon Grays. I'm going to say that by the time you guys hear this, he will have committed to Ohio State. Why do they keep well, getting so not many not by receivers? the time people have heard it if they hear it first thing in the morning. Well, it, yeah, it, it's at 11 a.m. in the morning. So if you hear it after this, uh, you can tell me if I'm right or not. If you hear it before this, this is my prediction that he will be for Ohio State. So that would mean that their four receivers are from Texas, Illinois, Arizona, and Georgia. Man, heartline goes everywhere. Uh, and this kid is number 115 overall, number 16 receiver out of Georgia uh, in the class of 2022. A lot going on. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Drop the reviews. Again, thanks for all the kind reviews. We appreciate those. Try the texts at 614. Something's always going on. Try the text at 614-350-3315. We've got a, got a couple things that I'm going to start uh, feeding through the text this week. I think I'll start feeding through the first Mount Rushmore for a position, and I think I'll start getting that bracket. I think we'll do 32 games, the Trestle era and on, the 32 best games uh, since Jim Trestle was hired. I think I'll start getting that bracket together and start doing some voting on that and try to get that done before we actually get into this season. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. That was Buckeye Football Futures, formerly known as Buckeye Futures Friday, that usually runs on Thursday, here on this Monday. On Monday, on Tuesday, we'll have the Monday Market Down Monday. Nathan, are you going to call it Market Down Tuesday? But it's We such already a brand. recorded a whole thing calling it Market Down Monday. Can you just go in and every time where you say, welcome back to Market Down Tuesday, like, can you just like, would you, is that worth the edit? Oh, I, I, it dub? could be done, but no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs>
to qualify to talk. that question. Yeah. Buckeye talk. Yeah. There's still fireworks to go. I could easily do that, but I'm not gonna. Buckeye talk. All right. So get ready for that on Tuesday. This is your Monday podcast. Thanks again to you guys for listening. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>